Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and Ends. We're ready for February. This is our first week of February. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Hey, not too bad. Kind of cool. It's it's February. That's the second month, the fourth day, and it's 2024. We got a lot of twos and fours in this <laughs> conversation here. Um, so anybody that likes numbers can look up all the good things about that. Um, we're starting with uh, Friday. What happened on Friday, February the second? Uh, so that's two 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 zero zero two four. We had a rally, rally monkey. Now the thing with the thing with this day was we were up pre market, and then we had the employment situation report and a bunch of other economic reports. But we dropped back to the previous close. You really have to evaluate where you've been. What is the high of the pre market? What happened in the overnight session for sure? What's happening in other countries like Europe and so on? Just kind of get a feel of that. And then if you get moves, where do you go to? And we went right down to the previous closed level. It had every opportunity to continue lower, but it held up there and it actually opened pretty much unchanged and um, it was up a bit, but it, it, it rallied from there. We didn't go through the previous close and we start to build on that. So important to, to watch for that um, because we could have expanded either way. But remember, the market loves to try to test either the pre-market high or low, right? This is something that's an ongoing phenomenon, right? It just, it just likes to, if we've been up and then we pull back, it loves to retest that. If we've been down, you know, and then we rebuild, often if it can't get through the previous close, it rolls over and goes back to test the pre-market low. And if that holds up, you know, you could have a, a later day rally. Um, so always watch that. Watch where you are also relative to volume weighted average price. Are you below that? Where, you know, is it is it possible to, to go up and track back to that, which we did and we went above it. And then we pretty much stayed above the VWAP all day. Um, and then look for high signal type uh, breaks. So this was a high signal move heading towards testing the pre-market. And then we had a high signal move where we actually broke above it. Very important, a little dipsy doodle, that can happen. Uh, there was some incidences in the Middle East with the US um, targeting some things and stuff that pulled it back a little bit. There could have been other factors as well, but we eventually rallied and, uh, you know, again, another new closing, close, closing high. So um, that's that, here's the 15 minute chart of the whole week. So this is the week before on the Friday, then we start Monday here. Here's our open price. Um, we kind of built on Monday. We had a rally. And then we went sideways, kind of this wait and see ahead of the FOMC. Now we did dip down um, prior to that. There were some concerns. And we actually, uh, you know, kind of went lower. Um, and we were chugging along. And then the FOMC announcement hit, knocked us down. And then uh, during the Powell Q&A period, we rallied up strongly and then reversed again and went down and closed on the low. Well, you got to watch at extended hours. We never went lower than that close. We kind of started to already give a little bit of relief after the equities were closed uh, for the day session. And the after hours started to build. I don't show that on this chart. But then um, we came in. Overnight session went well, pre-market started to build, and then we opened here 
on February 1st, the first trading day. And remember, we've talked about the turn of the month effect, right? From the from one day, this was the last trading day of the month. And now our seasonality for January was supposed to be that the last trading day of the month uh, is generally good for January. But uh, we have a lot of other months of, of the year where the last day is bad. Okay, it's a down day, deleveraging, things like that. But really, this was a, a different event because we did have the FOMC and Powell. And the concerns were like, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, he's kind of talking like, we're not gonna see the kind of interest rate cuts we thought, right? And of course, most people knew that already, but um, that was kind of like, ah, the market was just pouting and you know, complaining that, oh, you don't get that free money coming in as soon as we want, right? So, uh, but all things, you know, all the economic reports and stuff like that uh, were, were good. We did have some GDP. Everything said, hey, you know, like, soft landing economic stuff's okay yeah you know we're making some headway on inflation and yeah we may not get the interest rate cuts but sentiment is kind of improving and people are not so concerned about um their employment or lots of jobs blah 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 okay so we built on there and then we have a follow-through day here into friday continuing on and of course uh communications were a big driver meta was up 20 percent, so it's a huge driver there and that accounted for about 40% of uh, SPY's uh, movement, actually, um, right there. So um, that's how we finished the week. So we started here, we finished here. I just wanted to give it kind of a play-by-play -play thing. Uh, here's the daily, so you can see the new closing high. Um, so there's the dip that we had midweek there, and we finished strong. So you know we're making new all-time highs in the SPY. Um, this is the cues. Now the cues you can see, uh, you know, finished finished above slightly, but not quite that extended move that we had in the spy. Um, there's the price weighted uh, diamonds. Um, you know, just chugging along. Uh, more boring is beautiful type stuff going on there than than the kind of moves you have in the spy or the cues. Um, IWM is uh you know it, it can have good days when the market's got this risk on attitude and and uh you know the pressing the growth stuff and all that it can have good days but overall it's still kind of trading in a sideways range here it's not you know performing like the other indices so uh we're still in the best six months for iwm so that doesn't say too much <laughs> when it's just flopping along like a wet dish rag here um sector performances for friday in the week Communication, of course, for Friday, that was uh, largely meta that did that. Uh, consumer cyclical and technology. So really a risk on day for Friday. Uh, now, strangely enough, our uh, risk off list, the defensive list, did the best on Friday. Um, and that's made up of, of short those guys and long uh, defensive healthcare and industrials. So kind of in the middle of the pack, but that's the selections from stock odds for our defensive list performed uh, to a tune of, if I remember correctly, either 0.46 or 0.64%. Uh, so really robust return on the risk off list. So um, you, you don't, you know, you don't always have the the fact that the risk on sectors perform really well means that it's automatically going to be profitable for your 
risk on list. It depends on which components have been chosen and um, you know what the odds of those particular symbols were for the day, that kind of thing. And where we now open, for the week. Too, that's important. Oh, yeah, exactly. Where we open right now this in the Friday, you know, we we opened where. Um, like we we kind of just. Let, let's go back and look at that for a sec here. Uh, Friday's open here. Um, so we did we I can't see where it was pre market in this chart, but. Um, well, here it is Friday. Sorry, we we had that we had that uh, previous close. My my brain's so full of things that got mixed up here a little bit. Um, but we were we we kind of opened without much of a premium, and I think I think possibly the reason that the defensive list could have done better is because we pulled back and and maybe there was a lot of kind of change in in attitude for the day, thinking that there was there was more risk since we came off that high and the employment situation report knocked us down. So there may have been pressing a little bit more some of the defensive stuff. So that's probably the explanation, eh, Dave? Yeah, sounds fair. Anyway, um, da, 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 where we go here? So, so the one week performance we had consumer cyclical, um, driven by Amazon was a, a good one for that sector. Consumer defensive. Um, so we had more of a broad market rally for the week because if you look at consumer defensive industrials and healthcare and technology wasn't in the lead for the week energy uh, pulled back again real estate uh, suffered a bit because of the interest rates basic materials suffered a bit because of the dollar utilities also affected by interest rates um sector performances for friday and the week um we had a really a really interesting relative volumes that was on friday we had um you know, some that were way over uh, one and over two even. So volume was really robust for the week and for Friday, but it was a little bit softer earlier in the week because of the wait and see for FOMC, obviously. But after that kicked in, volume spiked. So people got back to trading, it looks like. Um, for the sector performances, of course, you can see IWM, XLE, and real estate REITs and stuff down at the bottom with... Uh, XLY doing great, XLP, that's kind of cute when they're both performing pretty well, and communications here. Okay, map of the market for Friday. You can see the standout NVIDIA again, AMD, Intel going the other way. Now with Meta up so much, you can't have in an ETF, you can't have everything perform to that degree. So when you when you get standouts like this, remember, there, as they as they rotate into that or they they cover their shorts or whatever has to go on, they have to sell other things, you know, and uh, so not all this is earnings related. This also is just what happens and the, and the ETF still performed amazing, but they can't all be up 20 percent. So something has to get sold. Right. And so you got to think about that when you're uh, involved in ETFs and symbols within ETFs. What has to happen if there's one going crazy? The same thing will happen in, in the Dow when Boeing goes crazy or, you know, in, in, like even in consumer cyclical, when Amazon goes crazy, they're going to sell other things. So, um, yeah, that's that's really uh, interesting layout. And you can see that it wasn't that broad of a market rally on Friday, but when we go to the week, 
you can see it's it's more broad, but there's still a lot of speckles of red. And then you get this kind of uh, weirdness here for the week with uh, Google versus Meta, you know, Microsoft versus Apple, Nvidia versus Qualcomm or the other ones. And even in the oils, you know, Chevron versus Exxon. I love this stuff when you get them going opposite directions. And, and this is a, a related pair. But you can combine this and use our smooth indicators that we talk about uh, to really do well on a pairing of something like this, especially when there's divergence between them. Same thing with Microsoft and Apple as competitors, Chevron, Exxon as competitors, Wells Fargo and JP Morgan as competitors. I mean, is this when you get divergence, it works really well. Daily chart of NVIDIA. I mean, uh, do you want to short this thing? I, I've always said, like, <laughs> Widowmakers. <laughs> let's not let's not be involved in shorting this thing. I've said this for a long time, and I'm not an advisor. I'm just saying that, you know, it, it, it's a widowmaker in a lot of ways. Um, same as Meta, too, right? Your thoughts, Dave? I, I would not short any of these magnificent <laughs> seven or whatever they call these days. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's way up here. I mean, uh, some targets have been up as, uh, as high as 900, 950. So it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me in the least. Well, the thing is, everybody's announcing they're they're loading up on their chips, right? I mean, mm -hmm. Meta's buying their chips and on and on it goes. Tesla's buying their chips. Everybody's buying their chips. So um, so here's Meta. And uh, this, is <laughs> this is the weekly chart. I had to just pull up the weekly to show you how crazy that is. And then from... You know, the kind of the end of 2022, it started to already turn. Uh, it had its low spot on that October. Remember that October 13th where we had the GDP mm -hmm. come out, right? So that kind of was the low spot. And then it just been trucking along since then. Look at that high signal all the way. Oops, all the way up. And, and then this this week, 20% <laughs> move this week alone. So 40% of the S&P 500 move this week came from this one stock. Okay. Just think about that for a minute. So you go, that's not right. Well, it doesn't have to be right or wrong. It's what is, but you know, it's 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 waiting in it, and then that performance, you know, makes a huge difference. So, up 80 bucks, 20%. It's crazy. So um, here's the U.S. dollar. Dave and I were talking about, you know, the channel. We were in a channel and we broke out. We said be mindful of that, and it did impact the sectors that we talk about all the time. Then it traded sideways, and and we had some dipsy doodle moves. Uh, you know, from that. And then we get a big move again on Friday, right? So we're kind of breaking. We might we might do that again. It might might go up and chop around or we might see. There's going to come a time, I think, when the U.S. dollar is going to be really under pressure. And it might be a response to, you know, more and more moving away from the dollar regarding uh, commodities, especially oil, other countries making deals in their currencies and things and so there there will come a time when the dollar will be really impacted as we've seen in the past but maybe even differently this time but at the moment it's holding up okay and uh, so every time it moves higher there are certain sectors that are under pressure right every time it moves higher so um let's see here that's a technical term dipsy doodle right <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, so here's the 10 year. So the 10 year went down on Friday. You can see that it was it was kind of moving higher. 
but it moved down on Friday significantly and the dollar moved up, right? So that inverse relationship. Here's crude oil. Dave and I talked about this resistance up at 80, um, that it was possible for it to break and go higher, but it chose to uh, reverse and head back down. It just could not make it through that 80 this time around. That being said, look at the XLE is actually sideways, so it's it's not, you know, being as impacted by the price of oil. It's uh, hanging in there. So that might mean something. So if oil reverses back up again, maybe this will uh, launch since it's been exhibiting some relative strength re related to the price of oil. Economic reports, Dave, take it away. Yeah, there's just tons of Fed speak again. It's like every other day they have to have someone from the Fed speak. Um, Monday, there's a little bit of service information, ISM services, and we'll get an idea of how service industry is holding up. Tuesday, there's like four Fed speak. Wednesday, there's a little bit of info on consumer credit. We'll see how the consumer's holding up. Thursday, wholesale inventories and some jobless numbers. And then CPI revisions on Friday. But almost every day has someone from the Fed speaking. So that's just in the background that they could say something that um, moves the market a bit. But but nothing major in terms of big announcements like, like last week. And in terms of earnings, um, just three major ones this week. We've got McDonald's on Monday. And on Tuesday, we have Eli Lilly with all their weight loss drugs. And then Wednesday, Disney. So McDonald's has been right raising their prices quite high. <clears throat> so they should be doing well. Got weight loss drugs, uh, wind at your back with Lilly. And then Disney, again, they have all pricing power with the parks. So these may be pretty good earnings and uh, show that the consumer is still holding up. Right. Well, you know, we did say that earnings this week, this past week, could be market moving. And, you know, we saw that. And uh, again, we're still in earnings season, so keep that in mind. And then after earnings season, we start to get more dividends and then uh, go back into summer warning season and back into earnings season. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. Um, food for thought, disruption of shipping continues. Um, some oil supply lines being changed because of it. So some of that can be inflationary, doesn't need to be showing up immediately, can be down the road as we see a delay often between things that uh, are happening globally and how long it takes to work itself through the system. Uh, but there's still a risk of expanded regional war. And now that U.S. Um, is more involved um, there, just so you know, I mean, there was a, a retaliatory strike against um, Yemen and so on, and then also some to do with uh, Iran, but um, specifically in Iraq, uh, related to things that were going on there. But the thing is, there's been tons of attacks against U.S. bases, uh, and not all of them have been responded to. Uh, so to me, there's quite a bit of optics going on, because why would you announce that you're going to do something in a particular area before you do it? Um, seems kind of strange. So there's a lot of optics and maybe less efficacy. For some reason, doesn't you know? Doesn't seem that uh, anybody really wants to go head to head with Iran, who's really the instigator of a lot of things over there, the troublemaker. Um, but that's what it is. So just be careful of increased regional conflict over there. The market can respond to that. 
So you've heard talk of the Magnificent Seven. Funny, Dave, that you brought it up about the Mag Seven. Well, investors actually have dropped two of the seven, and it's now the Fab Five. You've got NVIDIA, Microsoft, canceled Tesla, Meta, Google, Apple is canceled, and Amazon. So Tesla may still be under pressure. They've got a fairly large recall both in China and in the U.S., Pretty much every single car they've sold has to be recalled um, and they can update it through the apps and stuff like that. It's, you know, there's things where like the size of warning labels and stuff on the instrument panel is not um, as large as it's supposed to be regulatory wise. So there's just there's that kind of thing. But I don't think that's helpful. It still puts some pressure on there. And certainly the competition is increasing by the likes of things like Boyd and, and all that. So, okay. So we this is what we've seen. I'm just saying, I don't know if it'll continue in the future, but so far <laughs> it's gone from the Mag 7 to the Fab 5. Uh, and then what will China do related to Taiwan? Um, that's still always a que concerning question. It always uh, you know intrigues me that these semiconductors are on fire and leading the market and and there could be this inevitable one day risk that comes to the whole sector um, if this was to happen. So it's not necessarily the best. Like if I want to if I want to trade AMD, for example, uh, I would like to pair it off with something that has. That's weaker, so you look want to exploit the relative strength and weakness. Um, so it could be the semiconductor ETF. It could be another uh, semiconductor. Um, but that's the posture that I would take for the future is to be a little bit more insulated from what happens if this event comes to pass. Okay. And then there's Super Bowls coming up. We're only a week away from that, right, Dave? Mm -hmm. um, what's the risk? You know, uh, well, a lot of people gathered together, uh, some terrorism risk, but there's also political risk, as you know, uh, from the what's what's everything <laughs> there's 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 political risk as well as as uh, as terrorism risk and everything else i'm sure it'll be fine but you never know it's coming up it's on the horizon um and then you know the market always has these things like well, whoever wins the super bowl you know then it, it means the market's going to move this way and that way and i don't know if that's entirely true but there's some analysis on that now moving on this is the momentum etf so I've been asked the question, how can you figure out whether there's going to be like continuation of momentum or, uh, you know, like it's a risk on day, risk off day. So let's just think about this for a minute. This is the momentum ETF. Now, its volume is, you know, it can do 600,000 shares in a day. It could do more. Um, average is, is maybe three, 350, 400,000. It's not not super liquid that way uh, compared to other things that you could trade but it could be uh, a good reference security um, but this is what's happened recently here on the daily and you can see the, the obviously the move that happened on thursday and friday largely because of the mega caps right but i want to show you the weekly so since its inception back here it's been chugging along and there's been periods of really high signal, signal to noise. So in 2017, you could um, look at that after the election and so on in 2016. And then we, we had this high period of very low volatility, high signal 
And we've seen that again a few times. And then coming out of the hole uh, 2020 here, where we had uh, COVID and we came out of the hole and uh, rallied a lot, pulled back, and then we've been in a channel and that's breaking out of the channel. So it probably wants to head back to test those highs. Um, it's had a very sharp move just recently here. So that's the weekly on that. Here's the holdings that are greater than 1% by weight as of Friday. These are the holdings. So there's a lot of very expensive stocks in it, right? Um, but there are some that you could pull out of that that are that are more tradable, you know, than the than the $1,200 stock or the $3,500 stock or any even if things over 400 or get kind of problematic. I mean, you look at Lily, how it trades now versus how it used to trade. I mean, it's now $667 a stock. So this is mostly technology and communication, but it does have Eli Lilly in there for healthcare. It has some industrials and materials and stuff. So it has a few others, but um, the composition is chosen for, for weight, uh, for like what is moving momentum wise. So here's the top sectors, 41% in information technology, communications 14, industrial 14, consumer discretionary 10, and so on. Here's the fund characteristics, and here's been the performance year by year returns. So you can see 2022 was down, and then obviously 2023 was up. 2024 is also moving higher. Um, but um, by the way, ARC over since the same, same even though it's had craziness it's about 12 percent on average now returns um and same with this one if you average this all out it's about 12 percent so ideas use mtm as an indicator you can use your smooth indicators on it use mtum and offset with sector spider etfs because you've got the sectors you can figure out what what you want to do in terms of weight there use mtm against a price weighted index like diamond so you, you're looking for divergence or convergence Use MTM against ARC. ARC is far more volume, of course, than MTUM. You could use MTM against a subset of stocks. For example, on the Monday, January 29th, this was my chart here of selling, buying MTUM and selling uh, Intel, Google, GE, Oracle, PGR, and TGX. Why those ones? because they were in the price category, you know, of less than $200. Um, but also they were exhibiting relative weakness compared to MTUM. So this is the chart. So MTUM stronger. So it's six times MTUM minus or divided by uh, one of each of those. So you could put equal dollars in all those and you'd need to balance it out by dollars on the MTUM, but this is the chart for the day. And that was very similar to Friday, except that uh, it was much steeper. Um, and so every day you could look at of these stocks here, which ones are exhibiting relative strength and relative weakness. And if you could, instead of buying these high flyers, you get exposure by buying MTUM. But what could you sell against it that's exhibiting relative weakness? So some ideas for you. you. And then here's, to close it off, here's ARC over that weekly period. So it had the same rally out of the hole in 2020, literally like right at the end of March there. 
and rallied just like the MTUM did. But you can see that it came all the way back, whereas MTUM held up and it only came back not even halfway. Um, and then this thing is just flopping around sideways here. So very different performance. So between the two of them, I know people have used, say, the ARC funds for momentum, but it's not really a true perspective of momentum like the other one. Um, this one has more kind of high in the sky uh, fintech that may, one day, maybe in 2035, might work out or not. So there's a, there's a lot more risk, not to say that some of the ideas are that bad. It's just more long term versus the other ETF is exploiting more current momentum and it's balanced quarterly and so they're looking for stocks that are exhibiting hope that helps you guys i think that's it right. we're all done all right good trading everyone thanks thanks